welcome to another Top of the Table interview. Join us as we hear stories and advice from MDRT Top of the Table qualifiers. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Sandy Chassel. I'm with Matt Schiff. Matt is the president of Schiff Benefits Group in Horsham, Pennsylvania. It's an executive benefits consulting firm. Matt has been top of the table for the last 10 years. He grew up in the insurance business. His grandfather was in the business. His father, his mom is still in the business. He has a cousin who's a, a TPA. So he's got a lot. He learned this business sitting at the kitchen table, I'm sure, as a kid. He's earned his CLU and um, chartered financial consultant designation from the American College. And uh, in fact, he is now uh, an alumni vice president of the American College, was on the board. Matt was a keynote speaker at the 2017 MDRT convention in Orlando. And uh, I had the pleasure and the honor of listening to his talk. Matt, it's an honor to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Sandy. Thanks for taking the time to, to talk with me. No, I, I really appreciate what you're doing for a lot of advisors who want to know the different ways that you get to top of the table. You started out uh, at least as I see in your LinkedIn uh, profile, in marketing, selling agency database systems. When did you decide, hey, you know, I, I want to get into insurance sales? Well, my father, while I was in college at Tulane, said, why don't you take your CLU courses? I said, there is no way I'm going in, into the insurance business. In fact, I stood up in front of my fraternity convention and said, all insurance agents are crooks. Story <laughs> while my father is sitting in the back of the room cringing. Oh, um, ironically, a year after graduating college, uh, I was basically finishing up a job that I had done right after college. And I said, what do I want to do? I ended up taking a securities exam for one of the wirehouses and failed by one point. <laughs> worst, worst thing that ever happened to me. Uh, a, few a few days later after I finally woke up and said, okay, what am I going to do? I walked myself into a mutual New York insurance agency. Why? That's where grandpa had started. That's where dad was money man of the year and then become president of the company. That's where mom was a million dollar roundtable producer with. So I walked into the agency in Atlanta, Georgia, where I had been living for six months and knew nobody. So I, I go, I walk in, I go, I have no natural, no, sorry, no natural market, but I know this business inside and out. I think I can help. They said, okay. We're going to put you on the computers. We're going to see if you can do some advanced planning and help us do, oh, I know all that stuff. You want to do 401ks? You want to do disability insurance? I know the money economizer pilot. I'll show you exactly how to you know, ramp these things up. They go, wow, this could be great. So I started doing a lot of joint work. In fact, that was probably the first time I learned how to do a joint work piece. So people ask me all the time, how do you decide how you're going to do this? Well, MDRT has the 520s. And how do you justify getting paid? Well, I learned that in the first day. So we figured out how to cut, the, cut up the cases based upon what work we were doing. And about a year and a half later, software company down in Miami, Florida called FDP said, you know, you're doing something in the agency. We'd like you, we'd like you to move from the agency to our side 
talk to the guys. You're, you have a great pedigree. You have the family. You know who to talk to. Let's take what you know and put it out. At MD, in fact, at MDRT, and that's where I started presenting my software. Yeah, wow. And uh, I'm guessing that required cold calling. And you told the convention that you were the worst prospector and that you hated cold calling. Tell oh, me I, call, I called insurance agents on a regular basis, asking for $495 to have this software installed on your PC. And I'm going, these, can't, these guys can't afford $495. And that's all I kept saying. They can't afford it, but I have to sell it. <laughs> and sure enough, when when people ask you how do you get to the next level truly a database is one of the best ways to get to the next level because anybody who automate, automates their prospecting prospect process immediately has a way to follow up set it in the system do emails today it's very different than when i started but at the time when i did it in the early 90s and started working with fdp the first thing that they said to me is said you're using our database the way our agents should be using it. I said, why wouldn't I? I'm an agent. <laughs> all the sense of the world. So then we were able to take that to the home offices, Mass Mutual, New York Life, Northwestern Mutual. They'd all look at the database. There were a handful of them out there at the time. So I, am, I learned a lot about the home office. I learned about systems. I learned about sales because we'd bring in producer groups who I was learning from the best. I had, the, I had what we called pru, the Prusers, the Prudential User Group. That was their high-end, uh, high-premium, very sophisticated uh, Prudential lifetime career agents. We'd bring in you know, some of the M producers. It was before NFP was NFP, but you know all the different FFR, First Financial Resources was one. Uh, you had Fourth. You have all these different producer groups, and I was learning all this great stuff. That was my way of learning the business. My father said, look, you've learned a lot from me, but if you're gonna really be in this business, you need to have an overall knowledge of everything that's out there, and then have a technical side that can explain all of the nuances of the tax law, but you had to do it in such a way that it was simple stupid. It was a, literally a yellow piece of paper. And that's how I got my, my training. From there, like I said, I'm the worst prospector because I don't like to cold call. I used to do that when I started out at Mutual New York. It was when I was not supporting people, I was dialing for dollars. And it was a Monday night call night from 5.30 to 8. And you stayed there until you got your 10 prospects. And that was rough. Yeah. So you did it. You didn't like it. but you Oh, no. Did I did it. I did it. <laughs> when we talk about making those calls you know initially you were calling insurance agents you were calling people who were in the business was there a time at least you i mean there must have been in order for you to qualify uh, that you were doing your own business directly with clients well what happened was for the first year and a half i was doing direct business with clients then i moved to the software side for five years and I came back in 1995 into production. Yeah. And when I did that, I qualified for Roundtable in four months. Wow. So how did you do that? I mean, for a guy who doesn't like prospecting, how did you do that? Well, ironically, and I'm going to mention some names here, George Carr, who ran Carbarth Associates, and his son, David, who's now the president of Access Financial. 
I went to work with them because George said, I have a producer. He's tenacious. He's a bulldog. He's the type of guy who will dial for dollars all day long. And then once the person buys, he'll go after the other pocket. So he's, George said, I need to put you together with this producer. And sure enough, I came in in April. We started talking. We start, and then all of a sudden, my licenses took about two or three months at that time to get them going. So I came back in June. My licenses were active September 1. And all of the business that we had built up, all the applications were ready to go from September to December. Wow. And I made $76,000 of first year production at that time when MDRT was $51,000. So teaming up with a bulldog in prospecting was a good move for you. I would say teaming up with a senior producer, with a junior producer who can get the stuff done that the senior producer doesn't want to do, really is a very, very good business model. In fact, Mass Mutual does a huge teaming operation right now, which was brought over when they acquired MetLife. It's a great, great way of, of getting into the business because I think the barrier to entry today is becoming more and more difficult as we lose the number of producers that are in the market. Yeah, so if you're not doing the prospecting and somebody else is, um, when and how do you break out of that relationship where you actually are doing the prospecting? Yeah, what happens is over time you start to become that expert that everybody knows. So then when you have accountants and attorneys and advisors and TPAs, they're going, Matt, we don't need another advisor to come in. We just want you and your team to come in. It's sort of that transition from doing joint work to now you're getting your own business. But I've always found that if I'm doing joint work, there's more business to be had if we're both going in there because you're going you're gonna to pick up group benefits. You're going to pick up disability. You're going to pick up the individual financial planning or a business plan for the owner. All of that's done these days. Our target client, unlike the new org agent who's coming in one to four years, you know, they'll go after anything with a heartbeat. Me, I'm going after a very specific market. And that's where I've figured out for myself, I can help business owners who have 35 to 250 employees that are trying to take care of two to three people in the company and I don't care whether they're insurable or not. And our whole benefit program is, let's design the program first and then think about a product afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I heard a lot of that in your talk. And by the way, you can find Matt's talk either on his uh, website, on the, on the company website, or on the uh, MDRT podcasts, and it's worth listening to, to, to learn some of the things that uh, he's gone through. But one of the things you said that struck me, Matt, was uh, it's not what you know, but your connections. Talk, talk about that, because I think that's a driver of your success. Yeah, um, I'll give you a perfect example. I'm working with an agent who happens to be a fairly well-known uh, retired hockey player and a retired football player, both have the relationship with the CEO of a regional airline. Now, most regional airlines would go to a 
Willis, Aon, Mercer, consulting firm, bring in the large consulting firm, pay the large fees and stuff like that. The difference here is you have a producer, actually two well-established financial advisors who were previously sports stars. They have a relationship from their church. They go literally sitting in the same pew on a weekly basis. They, they go and hang out, but this person doesn't know hill or high, high water what 409A means or deferred compensation or what's going on. They also know that the company was previously uh, a publicly traded company and decided to pull the stock, reorganize, and they shut down a deferred comp plan a few years ago. They've waited the three-year period, and now they're looking for somebody to help them put this back together. They're going to earn the business because they have the relationship with me that I can come in and work the expertise. The producer themselves will take three, five, seven, ten years to develop these really large cases because you built the trust factor, which is what everybody talks about today. Your client has to trust you, and it's that relationship that means more than, oh, I know how to design the plan. Is when you walk in, if they know that you care about what's going on with their business and care about them personally, then you'll bring in the technicians and make sure the technicians are doing their job. And that's my job to say, I know what I'm doing and I'm here to make sure it happens. Yeah, the trust factor is it's one of the things I talk about with clients all the time. So you start out, <clears throat> you get into the MDRT because you teamed up with a, a senior advisor. And now you're there and we're looking at quarter of the table, top of the table. Were these things even on your radar as something you wanted or did they just happen as you went along? Well, one of the things, I don't know if it was in my speech or not, but I had always known about top of the table. A founding member of Top of the Table was my father. And except for his handful of years that he was in the home office, he would be one of those eight or 10 people that have qualified for Top of the Table every, every year of his life when he was in production. Yeah, you mentioned that briefly at the beginning. And uh, I mean, here's a guy that sat at the table with, uh, with Ben Feldman and Medi. And that, that's, that's pretty exciting. It goes back to my question, were you thinking, I got to get to the top of the table, or were you thinking, I just got to keep doing what I, I'm doing? Where was your thinking about that? My thinking was, I need to grow out my business. I need to figure out which way I want to go. After I qualified the first time, I then proceeded to qualify again each year for the next two years. I then made the transition from working with my, I guess, business partner in Philadelphia to working with my father in the deferred comp world when he left the home office at Mutual New York. So when that happened and he really built up his operation, we were going back to focus on executive benefits. And what that meant to us is, could we build a modeling system at that time where we could have one person insured, but take care of three or five people in benefits? So you had to have the whole thing put together. You had to explain it very simply. We had six different parts. It was broken down into, 
here's the overview, here are the benefits, here's the cost structure, here's the accounting, here's the what ifs, and oh, by the way, if you wanted to add one more person or two more people, here's what the cost would be. So it really, without going into an illustration, we were talking about what are the benefits. And that's when I really took off in this business because I went from working with guys who now we were doing, you know, some estate planning, some individual planning, some business planning. Now we were doing multiple lives. We were doing on average 10 to 25 lives per case. We were doing 10 to 12 cases a year. And that's all I wanted to focus on. Yeah. So that sounds like, you know, uh, in doing these uh, interviews, I always come across or I'm reminded that everybody gets to the top a different way. That's, that's one of the reasons I do these. And it sounds a lot like you said, hey, let's throw the normal model out and, and let's just do it completely differently. I hate APSs. I hate going to the doctor's office. The doctor's office hates giving it to us. The copy service doesn't want to be bothered. And it's all a total cluster. My staff can spend literally six weeks on this, even with HIPAA laws today. You have to do it within 30 days. I scream at the 31st day. I'm like, guys, you're now in violation. <laughs> I would prefer to never ask for an APS. I would prefer to do it via, you know, uh, algorithmic met you know, metrics. I love the fact that the carriers have figured out how to use the MIB, their prescription drug database, and all the other stuff that's out there to say, okay, we've got a pretty good idea of how this person's going to fall. I would rather go to a carrier and say, I'd take your off-the-shelf whole life product, put additional paid-up edition riders on it, and put it all together with seven or eight people that are in the plan and say, carrier, which person do you want to knock out? You want to knock out number two, number four, number six, I don't care. Because when it's all said and done, it's the company that's funding the plan, and they're doing it for five, seven, 10, 15 years, they know that if there's a hiccup along the way, it's pretty much defined benefit, uh, net present value, the, the obligation going forward. And they say, I'm gonna fund it over a period of time. So I need to come up with a million dollars over 10 years. I could do $100,000 for 10, or I could do 50, 150, 50, 150, and go back and forth. It's so simple. I don't care about underwriting unless it's for a buy-sell agreement. Wow. So I mean, that is different than the usual way. So at some point, you hit court, and then 10 years ago, you hit top of the table. Was there something different that happened, or was it just progressive? Um, what had happened is I was now having an attraction with about 200 agents around the country who would call me probably 20 or 30 calls a month, and that's what was happening. That's, there's a, I wouldn't say the barrier to entry, but there was a traction rate that people said, okay, we now know Matt does this. He was at the home office. And even when I left at NFP, I was doing top of the table production again, because I was both doing corporate and bank owned life insurance. So some years I qualified premium wise, other years I qualified commission wise, because again, the products are different you know, along the way. Just because you make top of the table doesn't mean you're taking home $600,000 also. 
It's like, okay, well, you got the staff, you got the overhead, you got this, you got that. And it's the renewals. We all know our business models. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm getting from this conversation, Matt, is, is you've got to be seen as an expert in what you do, whatever it is. Am I, is that a message that you would want to give somebody who's hoping to go from qualifying to, for the MDRT to top of the table? Um, I'm going to answer it in two parts for you because I've been part of an agency that does an incredible job. And I've, in fact, I'll even give him a shout out because he deserves it. He runs his model perfectly for bringing new people. And I'm talking millennials, kids coming right out of college who can come into this business and learn it the way you're supposed to. Harris Fishman in his office in Mass Mutual, Greater Philadelphia, has put together a team where the new org kids, if you're a new kid and you want to learn how to do this business right, they teach you how to go from the beginning, learning the financials, learning the products, learning the prospecting, learning your marketing, et cetera. The first four years of your business as a new agent in that, in that demographic, it's all about tenacity. The difference is a more established person or career changer can get their business going very quickly by immediately teaming with a established producer who can use their knowledge to take advantage of the relationships that these people have had for the last 20 years. Big difference, again, because if you listen to a, a, a Sid Friedmanism, you want somebody who's old, sick, and rich. We don't always come across the people who are sick, but there are a lot of people who have a lot of money who are afraid to do anything with it today based upon whatever's going on in the economy, whatever Trump decides to tweet, or Nancy Pelosi, or anything that's going on. People are scared. They don't know where to turn. They're looking for knowledge. The American College is a great place for that knowledge. But MDRT is all of that client-facing knowledge from producers for the last 60, 70, 80 years. Even though things have changed, it's still a people relationship business which allowed me, and this is the truth, I was always a technician. I really, really exploded my production when I connected on a personal level with my, with my clients. And that is, a, that is what I would consider the best MDRT message. Yeah, that's, that's perfect um, for um, conveying what you need to do to be successful in this business. Um, it is all about relationships. But you say, look, I was a technician. Um, where did the transition for you happen? Um, it happened after I left New York Life's Executive Benefits Division, which was our sales organization for all the New York Life agents around the country. When I started running my company, instead of being the managing director, and that was back in 2006, and I was part of NFP, what I was doing now is I was reconnecting more with my MDRT roots and the clients, I had to leave all my clients at New York Life when I left. They had to come to me and call me if they wanted to work with me because I had a, a non-compete and a very good relationship with the senior management at New York Life. I also wanted to use their products and they allowed me to do it because they had two of the best products in my market. 
It was a very amicable de you know, departure. They wished me luck. But at that point, then I had to go out and see what drove the business owner and the people on an emotional level. And I was doing that both at NFP as a member firm, and I had some business partners out in California, which I don't know, I kind of got that California vibe from them. <laughs> they were like, hey, dude, let's go out surfing at six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, well, I kind of don't surf, but I'll go with you. <laughs> so one takeaway from this talk is it's a relationship business. You have to work on those relationships. And even if you don't surf, go out and, and hang out on the beach with them, you know, those things. If I were in the MDRT and I was thinking, how do I increase my business to the either commission-wise or, or uh, dollar-wise, how do I increase my business so that I can be quarter of the table, top of the table? What else would you tell me? Okay. Well, first and foremost, marketing today is a big deal depending on your compliance department, if you have the ability, there are some agents who are just life licensed. If you're not a securities licensed agent, use YouTube. It is an incredible medium to get your knowledge out. I know a number of really, really good young advisors who just explain a concept of the infinite banking system, as well as LEAP, for themselves and stuff like that, but they don't call it leap. They just say, look, I can help you buy life insurance, but life insurance shouldn't be an expense. And this is the reason why. And they go through it very nicely on YouTube. It's a great marketing tool. Secondly, you don't need to spend a lot of time and money on Facebook to get known. You can get out there organically and do some of this on your own. More importantly, teaming will help you. You want to have as many opportunities to be in front of people. And a daytime business market opens the nighttime activity, I promise you. You want to see if you can go into a health insurance company and say, I'd like to offer some additional services. I'll do it on a joint case basis. Again, teaming approach. What I did, what I did find is once, what I was good at, and this is the Dan Sullivan you know, the, uh, the coaching, the strategic coach series, and I love the girls there, and I, I shout out to them all the time. The biggest thing about strategic coach is, what is your unique ability? Once you figure out what your unique ability is, don't let anything else get in your way. Let everything else be outsourced, and that's what I figured out in 2006 when I left New York Life. Thomas L. Friedman had written the book, Buy It, Build It, or Rent It. I could either build the technology again, I could rent it from NFP, a platform that I could immediately plug in my material and my costs made sense, and it was a business model that, that made sense, or I'd buy it, and I'd have to make a capital expenditure and keep it up to date. So I decided to rent everything that I was doing in the business. I decided to rent my producers, I could hire and fire them. I've done that a number of times. In fact, I've even fired a group along the way because they created a problem for me. I've had other producers come in who are young, who are eager, and tried to build out my model. I'm gonna tell you that's probably the best way. Once you have knowledge, 
is to impart it to other people. New York Life, Mass Mutual, they recognize, become a manager, sales manager who can, a personal producing sales manager so you can help somebody along the way. That's the bottom line. As a business owner, as a producer, as an insurance consultant, and as an MDRT uh, producer myself, I help business owners and their key executives protect their income both in, during their working lifetime and in retirement. I protect their family in case of premature death or disability, and I show them a good transition for their business, both on a uh, disability, death, or to the family. And I can do it for less than anybody else can. Yeah, that's your specialty. So one of the things I'm hearing here is niche. You know, you, it's you, a niche. Have, you want to have your niche and some, make it something that you're comfortable with and you're good at. Uh, and um, that's going to take you where uh, you want to go. Before, before you go into that niche, though, if you're a new agent in your first year, six months, strive for MDRT. That used to be the goal of every new or a new org agent from New York Life, Principal, John Hancock. I could go through all the mutual carriers. That was their goal. We've lost sight of that. And it's not that hard to do if you're working with other people. You can delegate work and you guys can cover more ground but learn all of the different pieces so that you at least recognize the conversation and can bring in that specialist. Um, this is a recurring theme, working with other people. Um, one of the things that I run across a lot is there are a lot of guys out there who are independent and there is no opportunity like that to, you know, to, to find a senior advisor and, and work with him. What do you tell them? Well, first off, if you're an MDRT uh, member and you're an independent advisor, go on the website. There are people inside MDRT, they say these are their different expertise. Reach out to them. I know that I put my name up on there and there are a number of other really, really good people out there. Stephen Rothschild is exact, you know, a perfect example, uh, one of our ex-presidents. Uh, yeah, Douglas Aza used to say, if I want to learn something new, not used to, but when I talked with him, if I want to learn something new that I don't know, I find a, a perfect candidate client for it and then offer to share him with somebody who's really good at it and learn from that person. I watch him do it and then, then I know how to do it. And it sounds like you're giving almost the same advice. Absolutely. I've learned more working with other people and splitting a case than doing a case 100% on my own. Because I'll tell you, when I go in with somebody, I just like having a second person, a second set of ears to listen to what we're saying when we're with the client. It allows them to say, hey, that's not what the client said or meant. Or it says, you know, you might wanna bring this piece of information up. Can you explain that? To the client and it's, it's a great way of balancing ego and expertise yeah beautiful balance ego and expertise I, I like that a lot so if you had to do it all over again and you were starting again would you do anything differently yeah I would have waited six months 
<laughs> from leaving New York life. Uh, and the only reason why is um, my biggest client rewrote their case six months after I left. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was unable, and I was unable to be involved with it. And it was a $12 million premium when they left. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> so if I'm looking back and what would I do differently, I'd stay, I would have stayed longer. But the truth of the matter is, I think I would have gotten my administrative assistant earlier, as every producer says. Yeah, that's a big one. That I would have used my administrative assistant earlier. I would have gotten a junior agent earlier to do some of the prospecting because I was always the hands-on guy. Top of the table guys are always the type A. We want to control everything. Yeah. And, and giving up control is one of the hardest things for us. <laughs> you know? We don't want to do that. MBRT is about production, and we all think about how much we're going to earn. But we only make whatever we're going to make because we've done something right for the client. And I always say, I've been telling people how much I've been compensated for over 20 years. I don't have a problem. I, in fact, work, I'm an RIA and I'm a deferred compensation consultant and I'm an insurance agent. And I explain to the person, I do all three. You're going to engage me as a deferred comp consultant in one thing. That's my consulting like an accountant. It gives you all the documents, all the things that you need to do that type of business. You want me to be an RIA. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't manage $1. I'm not going to put anything together in the way of portfolio. If the market goes down, don't ask me what's going on. I don't know. I'm not Warren Buffett. But I do know that I have my staff and all of my financial planners who are working with each of the different fund companies and telling us exactly what's going on. And you have to understand that we're going to sit here and I'm going to be your quarterback. That's on your RIA stuff. Yeah. Then lastly, as an insurance person, we're going to buy the best product. It's going to be based upon whatever you needed to do. As somebody said to me yesterday, if I could save 40% on your income this year, you don't care how much you're going to make in the return on that product. You're going to take 40%. If it's $100,000, you are going to make $40,000 back, and I can give you 20 of it in cash, and the other 20 goes where you want it to go. You don't care what it's going to make. But you're going to care what you're going to get in the way of a benefit for that $20,000 and why you've got the saving in taxes. It all becomes part of the plan. And why are you trying to accomplish stuff? And people like saving money. They like guaranteeing their income. They don't want to pay for anything. And they don't want to pay taxes. I love how it's all about the client. What's next for you? What's the next big thing you want to tackle? As much as I, I love working with the client like this, I think I've got a little bit of my father's bug. My father was the same way. We both ran an operation where we love working with our clients. But if I could go to a national level, work for a home office, work with other producers and train them on this and get staff to do this and really build it up as a proper executive benefit, holistic type planning that's part of your RIA and, and um, employee benefits and retirement planning you know, across the country, I think I'd be interested in that. I've got uh, a lot of great stuff from you. If, you. if I give you the opportunity for one final word to MDRT members who are looking at top of the table and wondering how the heck do I get there, what would you tell them? 
the one thing the one thing <laughs> i mean if there's more than one feel free but but uh, at least one thing okay top of the table is not achieved overnight top of the table is not done alone and top of the table is not done without a process if you look at every single well-known top of the table producer who speaks around the country and i can give you a litany of them a great list of them i can tell you that each one of them once they put their staff in place once they put their marketing process in place that was when oh sorry and when they allowed others to take care of the stuff that they've been delegated that's when they were able to grow exponentially. And that you're taking one process that works very well and multiplying it. And that's how you get to the top of the table. Great advice, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, participating in this interview. And I really appreciate, uh, and I know the people who listen to this are, are gonna be, feel really motivated by what you've had to say. If you want to talk with me about your journey to the top of the table, contact me at sandychassell.com slash conversation. I'll see you at the top.